thought it was very respectful. I thought it loved all of the same things that I loved about it. And damn, there's a lot of blood. And it's we better do... than the baby in Twilight. Oh my god. <laughs> um, <laughs> not as scary as the baby in Twilight. <laughs> when she's drunk <laughs> tweeting on a Friday night, and I'm like, don't hit sand. Don't hit sand. We hope you're ready for some hot takes. We got them. Hot takes served up on the on the latest Fright Club podcast, and welcome to it. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from madwolf.com. We are revisiting remakes, right? Reboots. Yep. Not sequels. And this is sort of a long time coming. This got brewing Back on Fright Club Live here recently, did it? Is that what got us into this? It actually, it was it was a, a Twitter conversation gone amok um, sometime before the Don't last Fright Club. They do. <laughs> they they tend to. <laughs> Some people were posting their own sets, their own top five reboots, where the reboot, and this is a it's a defining quality. The reboot has to be superior to the original. Not just also a good one, but it has to be better than the original. Okay. And on the whole, I disagreed. Perhaps more vehemently than I should have, Perhaps? I think. Perhaps? <laughs> All right. So that's what got us going. And also then we realized that we had done this, but years ago. Oh, it's and actually, so obviously it's one had... of the first maybe 10 podcasts we ever did. Really? Yeah. And by the way, speaking of. Shout out to Pint of Joe, Katie, who recently posted that she has now listened to all 180, I think we're up to 185. This will be 186. She's listened to all of them. Wow. So, so first off, thank you. Second off, man, we, we apologize, apologize for those early. For some of those early ones. <laughs> you know, we were just finding our feet. We were. You know what I mean? We wouldn't re-listen, not to the early ones. No, no. But they were fun when we could do the music. Yeah. Remember that? Yes. We had fun with that. Yeah. So anyway, Katie, thank you. And everybody revisiting some of those old Fright Clubs. We appreciate it. And just keep in mind, we were young and we needed the money. <laughs> there was no money to be had. No. But we needed it. Anyway, so thanks. So we, we got into this thinking that, yeah, of course, there's been plenty more remakes, reboots since then. So let's revisit. And we talked about it a little bit more last time out on Fright Club Live uh, when we talked about sound design. And by the way, that was a hoot. That was fun. It was. Lot, it really, really was. Yeah, a lot of great comments during the show because we tried out the new platform, StreamYard, which I like. Yes, I liked it too. Me likey. I think we're going to keep that. Uh, we were able to see the comments up there. Keep you know just fast and furious. A lot of lot of people had not even heard of Barbarian Sound Studio, which is such a good movie. Yeah. Such a weird one. So weird. I'm excited if we got to introduce some people to that movie. Yeah. I hope I hope they all got a chance to watch it. Yeah, and it was obviously, as I've said, a subject close to my heart. So it was a lot of fun to talk about those. And appreciate the the good feedback. Yeah, we'll we'll keep at it. We got another Fright Club live, and we'll use Streamyard again. Mm-hmm. Hope you'll uh, be part of it coming soon. But we're talking about the reboots, the remakes. Yes. Now, see, that's is that, are we going to use that word interchangeably? I think Reboot we are. Slash remake. I think we are. So a lot of times, so we you and I were talking just a second ago about Halloween. Mm-hmm. And people refer to that as a, a reboot, I guess, because it just sort of after many years it reinvigorated the franchise. But it is strictly speaking a sequel. Um, right. And and so these so are doesn't count. No, and so and, and these aren't. These are in some cases direct remakes. In some case, a reboot in that it just reexamines the beginning of the franchise. It retells the original story in some different ways. But I mean, it's the same idea, same concept as the first movie. And also, this is very a very timely subject because just this week we got some news on some reboots. 
First of all, the one I just heard maybe today, Blumhouse, I guess, has a The Thing project in the works. With Carpenter. Yeah, the John Carpenter himself is teasing, so he must be involved somehow. So that should be very interesting, mm-hmm. as they used to say on mm-hmm. Laugh-In. And also, m- the horror world, the horror-verse, was much, a, much uh, a flutter because news got out of a exorcist reboot well that's the that's the big question is it a reboot is it a remake is it a sequel right. and i think right now and it's for coming from morgan creek i guess they have something mm-hmm. in the works that is more doesn't seem like a remake it seems like just something in the universe mm. of it so who knows yeah but, I doubt they would have the balls to remake Exorcist, but you never know. Yeah, and um, you know whatever it is, most of the content from that universe, the mm. direct sequels, yeah. there was a TV show. You're right. You know, I mean, except for the Heretic, I've enjoyed, and in some cases, really, really liked. Because yeah. of course, as we all know, Exorcist Three is a great, great. film. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, I, I've enjoyed almost everything over there. So yeah. I'm not. You know, I'm. I'm going in yeah, optimistically. Never dismiss it outright. I would just be surprised if someone really had the cojones to take on a straight remake. That yeah. would surprise me. Yeah. Somebody but, remade uh, Psycho, though. Yeah, Not that true. it was a good decision, but they did do it. <laughs> so that's sort of been in the news lately, so it makes this timely. Uh, oh, and by the way, happy birthday to DZAC. That's right. Because on the day that we are recording this, it's his birthday. That's right, it is. So his Happy birth- birthday to you. His birthday got us like podcasting. <laughs> So we're talking about reboots, remakes, and before we get to the ones, our list, that we think are outright better, we want to talk about the ones that are just even, right? Yeah, I also think that that's, there are a few that are just worth discussing, okay. that are worth bringing up. And one of the things that we want to say is that we're not going to spend time trashing bad remakes. Because, you know what, There's uh, we try not to do that, I think, you know, to the just, world needs positivity. Yeah, right now. and you know, if we don't like it and you like it, that's fine. Unless that's right. it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre ah, reboot. Ah, you had by to, the way, I know you had to because twist the knife. I did. Not only does Old Man Spencer prefer it, but the Great Betrayal that I just learned. So does so does Jamie Ray. Mm-hmm. He now, prefers it. Now you know how I feel when people admit they haven't seen Die Hard. <laughs> Cut me deep. Cut me deep. Okay, so. The, the ones that you just want to mention yeah. that were fun. Night of the Living Dead, the 1990 Tom Savini remake. And you know what? There's a lot of love for that movie. There is. That's one of the reasons that I wanted to bring it up is not, we don't think it's a better film no. at all. I like certain things that Savini did. I think that as much as we love Judith O'Dea, because she's a sweetheart. She is. That character, you know, Barbara, she's just like a catatonic Mannequin. Not a lot, yeah, not no, a lot there. and so one of the things I think that Savini did was to to take the female lead and give her some agency, which is great. And also, you know, Tony Todd. I'm never gonna complain about Tony Todd, although there's well, no way he's better than Dwayne Jones. No. There's just no way. And and I just don't think that the remake has the power that the original has. But I, it's enjoyable. Also, one I really enjoyed, Piranha, the yeah. Piranha 3D that came out, the Aha uh, 3D remake in 2010. That was just. A bloody, crazy mess of fun. It was fun. It was really, Very really fun. Aware. Yes. And Joe Dante, who's, you know, who's obviously an incredibly talented filmmaker, his original was, you know, it wasn't great. It was a low-budget Jaws-type ripoff, as was mm-hmm. coming out in 1978, in the, uh, all through the mid and late 70s. Sure. So it's not like it was a classic. And I agree with you. It was, I think it was a fun time, the remake. Here's a hot take. Now, we're not saying it's better, but we both enjoyed 
the Fright Night remake. Yeah, is that a hot take? Is yes, that, people there, hate it. They do? I, mean, I think part of it is because... Hate? The, yes. The Tom Holland original is so beloved. I know I love it. I mean, I love the original so much. It's so fun and also hits me in this sort of nostalgic sweet spot. But I think that... The remake did a lot of really smart things. It changed things in a way that I thought was respectful. Mm-hmm. And also, Christo- Christopher Mintz Platt right, to McLovin. come in as Evil Ed. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That was a great idea. I guess I don't have the love. I certainly don't have the nostalgia for the original Fright Night. So I don't. I don't think it's a big leap to say that I really enjoyed uh, the second one. But I did. I, I did. I don't understand a lot of hate for that. But. That happens. Um, how about, oh boy, remaking a classic, uh, the 1922 Nosferatu. Then you have Nosferatu the Vampire, the Herzog version from 1979. A lot of people prefer that one. And it mm. is a great movie, the Herzog version. It is a great movie. I And Klaus Kinski is nuts, of course. And it's a beautiful movie, and it's really just gorgeously told. I, of course, I much prefer the Murnau original. Mm-hmm. I think that Max Schreck is just the greatest vampire actor of all time. And But um, they are both great movies. And then the other one, when this one came out, I didn't want to see it (laughs) because, it, you know, I thought it was going to be one of those English language remakes of a foreign language film that was such as. So we are what we are. The uh, the Mexican we are what we are from 2010, which we've shown Fright Club Live. It is just a brilliant and amazing movie. And it speaks so precisely to the culture in which it was made that I thought, what are they going to do? But Jim Mickle made it, who made Stakeland. He does some good horror movies. And he did a great update because he entrenched it in American culture and American folklore. And it's not nearly as good a film, I don't think, but I did like it. I did, too. I thought it was was very effective. But, boy, the original, the Spanish-language original was just... Just great. We are what we are. So those we, those are a few we just wanted to mention. And then we've got a few that we think are just right on par. Even Not, Steven. Can't quite get over the hump to be better than the original, but even Steven. And this one makes sense because it's the same director, almost a shot-for-shot remake yeah. of his own film, just in English, and that's Michael Haneke's Funny Games. <laughs> It's not a movie. You're you're not going to want to watch them both back to back because this movie is so brutal. It's yeah, it so hard to watch and just a masterpiece in, in in either version. Just a masterpiece. He is just such a great filmmaker. See everything. He, everything. Can, he can do. He's tackled all these different genres. He's tackled all these different languages. Yeah. And everything is so good. He's he's fantastic. And so yeah, he just decided. And I can see why because of what this movie, both of them, what they say about media and culture mm-hmm. and how we are complicit mm-hmm. in it, I can see why he thought an American take would be justified. Yeah. Uh, and it is, but it's pretty much shot for shot. Yeah, it is. It, it, I think, if anything, the English language version, maybe the characters the, are slightly more sympathetic. I was going to say the performances maybe are a little better. I don't know about the villains, though, and that's the thing, not to t- not to put anything past Brady Corbett and Michael Pitt, who play the villains, the yeah. white-gloved villains in the American yeah. version. I love them both. They're so good in it. But the original guys who come knocking to borrow eggs, Arno Frisch and, and uh, Frank Gehring, they, they might be just, I might mm. give them just the edge. Mm. It's such a great movie yeah. both ways. Yeah. It's another one that we showed. Yes, exactly. So both of those, even Steven. Also, this might be a hot take because I know a lot of people disagree, but we like... Let Me In, just about as much as Let the Right One In. And Let the Right One In is great. It is great. great. But I was so impressed with Matt Reeves taking that movie and keeping so much of it the same, but changing it in just subtle ways that, that really worked. First of all, 
I was surprised it wasn't a hit because if I remember right, it came out around Halloween. Yeah. It was a horror movie and it was so much more bloody than the first mm-hmm. one. I'm like, and people didn't really go see it. I'm thinking, what What do you want? Yeah. It was really good. And then if you've seen Let the Right One In, my first thought when they were making the remake, I thought, well, how are they going to handle that swimming pool yeah. scene? And you know, he changed it just enough, right. but it's still so good. It and is really good. I like you know, both of those a lot. A little lot. bit like, you know, uh, We Are What We Are. I I feel like the, the original Let the Right One In is so entrenched in the Eastern European snowscape. I yeah. mean, it, and I think that... Reeves did a good job of just stepping away from that, abandoning that, and finding another way, again, to make it sort of more Americanized. Mm -hmm. And also, Richard Jenkins, who's, of course, magnificent in every single thing he ever does, he created so much different character of that, like, the caregiver, Mm -hmm. you know, that... I under I actually understood the story better the second time because I had a better sense of the transition that was being sought by yeah. the vampire and also Cody Smith McVie. I love him so much. <laughs> I, I I wanted to adopt yeah. him the first time I saw the road. I'll watch everything he's in and just you know he just fills me with tenderness. I just want to hug him. We love Let the Right One In, but we thought boy Let Me In was was just right there. Also Quarantine, uh, which was. One year after Wreck, yeah, um, in 2007, both very effective, yes, both uh, yeah, fun uh, like a haunted house type of thing. Totally given them an even, Stephen. I enjoyed them both equally. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think not a lot of new ground was broken, but it was still very yeah. on the edge of your seat, fun creepiness the whole time. Yeah, and then the two grudges, the original from 2002, and then we had the the same director, yeah, uh, much like Haneke taking um, an American take on it, an American uh, English language take on it, two years later with The Grudge. Both very, very fine. Yeah, they're not masterpieces, neither of them, but they are both, I think, really fun, effective, creepy, Mm -hmm. good sound design uh, (laughs) horror films. I enjoyed them both very much. And then we've got two, this is interesting, they're they're on this Even Steven list because we disagree um, in inverted ways on each of these. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, you actually like the 1978 better than the 1956 original. I I can't go there. I like the 56 original. In fact, it surprised me how much I liked it. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was really clever and really well done. I think the performances in the 78 are are better. Not... I mean, the lead, Kevin McCarthy, mm-hmm. is great in the in the original. But I think the cast around him is a little bit weak, which I don't think is the case in the 78 version. I think everybody okay. is really good. I think there's a more sinister humor afoot in the 78 one, which I appreciate. And I also think that it's just scarier. But um, but I, I love both. Yeah. I still, I, yeah, I, I can't, can't quite go there. So, and then... Um, on the uh, on the other end of, the, of each scale, I like the 2013 remake of Evil Dead better than the 1981 version. I know you ain't hearing any of that. I really, really liked the reboot very much. Beginning to end, I liked everything about it. And of course, Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn, is the first reboot of Evil Dead. Because yeah. it it's the same movie yeah. with a little bit better budget and just a slightly different storyline thrown in as a subplot. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know where my heart is, so. I just really, maybe it was because I wasn't expecting to like. Because you do not like um, the Sam Raimi's. It's it's fine. I don't, <laughs> I just don't have the love for it that you do. But uh, I really enjoyed, really enjoyed the second one. Uh, yeah. the, the, or I should say the remake, because you're right. It was just remade already <laughs> with Evil Dead 2. <laughs> but the 2013 Fetty Alvarez, yeah. I was, also, I, was I feel like I feel like Fiddy Alvarez and Jane Levy worked together really well because yeah. then they did Don't Breathe just a couple years later, right. which was so good. And Jane Levy really is, she is just 
exceptional in that movie. And and there's the blood. I mean, I, I think so much blood. I, a lot of people hated it because they felt like it didn't do like wasn't respectful, I think, of the series that, mm. that it was following, probably because it simply wasn't very funny. It wasn't. It certainly didn't have that kind of Three Stooges type comedy to it. I thought it was very respectful. I thought it loved all of the same things that I loved about it. And, uh, and get, damn, there's a lot of blood. There I sure mean, is. there's a lot of blood. And you get the little groovy stinger at the end. Yeah, you do. So all fun. So those are a few that we think are even Steven. So we'll move up to a bunch that we think the reboot is actually better. And... Well, before, we've got a top five, but we've got a few sitting just outside it. Is that right? Yeah. It's it's funny. It is so uncommon, I guess, for the reboot to be superior to the original that I felt like if, if we thought the reboot was better, we should at least mention it, even if it yeah. wasn't good enough to make the top five. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, and the first one is the 2010 remake of Romero's The Crazies, the yeah. original from 1973. I thought it was really effective. I remember seeing it and posting on Facebook that day or that night how much I liked it. And somebody, I forget who it was, thought I was kidding. Right. I'm like, no, I'm yeah. not kidding. No. This is really good. It was really good. And I like the original, The Crazies. I always have, but I don't think it's one of Romero's strongest. I think it's got some great ideas, but I don't know that it's told in the most effective way. I'm not, I mean, it just seems a little bit here and there, all over the place, where I think Eisner's version was very streamlined and effective. There are a couple of things about. Romero's that I prefer. There are a lot of things about Eisner's that I prefer, but I do think it's a better movie. Timothy Oliphant is great. He is great. Rod Mitchell is good. Was, and it was one of the first that I can recall, first uses of a shark that has now been jumped, and that is that slowed down, creepy use of a hit song. Well, Remember, it took Mad World and slowed it down really creepily. You and I don't think Donnie Darko is a horror film, but Donnie Darko used Mad World, that, that version, first. That is but true. But I, I think you're right. I think that this, the crazies took that and it became a staple mm-hmm. of of a lot of movies, but certainly any dark movie. Yeah, exactly. Also, the well, the double-sided hit from 2017 and 2019, the It reboot. I know the first It was just a TV series, but it still bears repeating that it's better. The movie's better. Yeah, you know what? I, I think this may be a hot take. Uh, because really, a lot of people, certainly myself included, were disappointed in It Chapter 2. Uh, although I think that it is, while it's definitely inferior to It, to the, the, the movie, the film that had come out two years earlier, it's still wildly superior to the second half oh, of that miniseries. Agreed. You agreed. know, and uh, Tim Curry was glorious, as he always is. But I think that everything about the first film it is oh, better yes um and that was the better part of the miniseries too and one of the things that makes the second it movie as disappointing is because the expectations we had because the first half was so good right right and there's only so, so much good. you could do with that book but they, there's you yeah, know i think they did they did improve it all, all the way around so yeah i'd be surprised if that's a really hot take I but might be. you never know and also the 1988 version of the blob i barely remembered that when you brought it up oh well it was massive like <laughs> for my age group I from think. the uh, 1958 of course steve mcqueen original uh, yeah. but it was yeah it was kevin dillon and shawnee smith yep. from the saw series yeah, yeah. i remember that yeah. i loved it i loved it so much i mean and it's not as good as i remember it being because of the age i was when i saw it but i thought it was great and i and i've seen of course the, the steve mcqueen which if i'm right i think that that's the movie that scared omar the most like his early childhood fear of the blob the, blob, the wow. original the blob and it is fun but it, it steve mcqueen it's, it's funny to see steve mcqueen in this movie playing yeah. like a 
wholesome teen because <laughs> but that seems so unusual yeah. but everybody else in the movie is especially the female lead she's catatonic i mean she's <laughs> she's got nothing going on and so it's a fun i enjoy it but I, I definitely think the 88 version is just a better movie yeah so those are three that we actually did like better but just not enough to crack yeah crack the top five which we will get into right now you want to do that yes i do uh, we liked better the 2004 version of dawn of the dead <laughs> Officials have declared a state of emergency. Everybody they kill gets up and kills. Residents are advised to find a safe place and stay there. Look up the road. There's a lot more of them. Why are they coming here? Maybe they're coming for us. Sooner or later, they're going to get in here. Our baby's here before. It's only a matter of time. It's coming. They'll find a way in. Oh, God. Of course, the original, 1978, George Romero, a classic for a good reason. Absolutely. But here's another one where, sort of like I reacted to Evil Dead, um, I didn't think it was going to be this good. No, I agree with you. And I, it really was. Zack Snyder made it, and I'm with you. I didn't want to get I didn't want to see it made. I just didn't. And when I watched it, and we've talked about this movie on the best openings. Yes. And the best endings. So if you've nailed those two, I mean, if you make some of the top five of all time, best opening and best, you you the really opening, have to suck in the middle for it not to go well. The opening was great. Was I'm talking just about glorious. hooking me oh right my God, from the yeah. get-go. It was fantastic. And yes, a very cool ending as yeah, well. Yeah. And it had the zombies that could run. Yeah. Which is a whole new ballgame. Yeah. It's just scarier. And then Romero was alive when it happened and he complained about running zombies. And I get it, but let's be honest, they're zombies. They're they're not real anyway. They're pretend. <laughs> Why can't we pretend they can run fast? They're so much scarier that and way. Had interesting, well developed characters. Yeah, exactly. you, know, you had the guy from Modern Family oh, who was yeah. the D bag. Oh my God, hated him so much. And then the noble guy at the end who oh, Sarah Pauly yeah. really wanted to live. Yes. She, and Sarah Polly, who's she's, yeah, that's right. the thing to have Sarah Polly in your horror movie. I mean, she's just yeah, she's Ving, better than that. She was great. Yeah, Ving was great. Pfeiffer, yeah, yeah. And uh, he knew his wife was in trouble. Yep. He didn't want to admit it. No. So, yeah, all of it. So right there, though, that might be the, the zombie baby. I couldn't get zombie behind baby. that. That's yeah. the big weak spot for me. But it's pretty small. And it's we better do than the baby in Twilight. Oh my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> not as scary as the baby in Twilight. <laughs> and the original, we do love. But it was, so it was his first leap to color. And to me, the color doesn't work particularly well. I think the zombies look a bit silly. I mean, I like it a lot. I'm a big fan of the original and a, sort of the consumerism angle and the, the the writing I thought was very solid. I just, yeah, I just think the remake was a stronger film. Yeah, and let's also bring up uh, Song Choice again. That <gasps> Down with the Sickness. Oh, my God, that Using, was so it great. Was great use of that song. It was great. Great use of that song. So number five on our Better Than the Original list of Dawn of the Dead from 2004. Also, number four, uh, this is uh, just from a couple of years ago, 2018. Yes, we liked... Luca Guadagnino's version of Suspiria, better than the original. When you dance the dance of another, you make yourself in the image of its creator. I feel like I'm not even here yet. You have to decide what is it you want to be for this company. There's more in that building than what you can see, Doctor. Dangerous people. You're making some kind of deal with them. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Now, will that be a hot take? 
I think so for some people. Um, we've said it before. I know you like the original Suspiria better than I do. Yeah. Um, I just thought this version brought so much more depth to the story. Agreed. So much more. And, the, of course, the, the um, performance is glorious. Yeah. The cinematography. I love the fact that he didn't just go straight at the color schemes yeah. of the original. He oh, said, yeah. no, we're gonna, it's, it's earth tones now. Well, you know, the original is very much a fractured fairy tale. And yeah. the color scheme, well, it was giallo, so you knew it was going to be sort of garish colors, these really bold colors. But then everything else about it was almost like stained glass. It was so beautiful and very much that sort of fractured fairy tale. This one isn't. It is not. It doesn't have that same sense. The, the you know, the, the building isn't bigger than it's supposed to be. You know, I, I do love what Argento did with the first Suspiria. I think it's easily his best film. Uh, but I loved the way Guadagnino came at it, not only by just sort of sidestepping that fairy tale idea the, and the color scheme, as you mentioned, but um, just finding something different and to me a lot more powerful in the story right. of this female run, uh, well, coven. Yeah, and they were very upfront about that from the get-go in the movie, which the original is not. Right. And I love the fact that for people that might say, well, why is a remake necessary or why are you going to do this? Well, here is somebody that answered that by saying, I have a, my own vision. Yeah. Because that's, that's I'm going to take this story, the, the bones of it. Yeah. And I think Tilda at the time, the Tilda, called it, what did she call this movie? A cover version. Yes. You know, which is good because yeah. you take the, the basic yeah. original of it and add your own vision. Yeah, and, and I think add your own interpretation. I think it's important to to note that Guadagnino has said he, you know, he grew up a massive Argento sure, yeah, fan. Yeah. So uh, certainly it wasn't somebody who was coming at it with anything other than respect. But also I think that he, Argento, has never ever ever been said to be a feminist by any stretch. And I, this is a feminist film, oh, and and there's the there's so many good reasons to make it a feminist film yeah. because it is entirely about women, yep. and he made it entirely about women because there are no male parts that are of any real meaning, and the only male part that is is played by a woman again, <laughs> that's right. the glorious the Tilda, and that's yeah. the other thing, of course, is that yeah, if you have Tilda Swinton in your cast, you have automatically elevated it, but also. Dakota Johnson was amazing. Mm -hmm. So there's just there's just so many more layers mm -hmm. to this movie and than the, the dance. The dance. Oh my god, the dance was awesome. It's fantastic. It's it's just there's just so, so much. It's just so much deeper. Yeah. Much so much more deeply felt. I think uh, this movie, and that's why we like the 2018 remake of Suspiria better than the original. Number three uh, is one that a lot of times. When we talk of remakes, we point to this right at the top. Yeah. So it's always going to be there. And it's always at the very top of movies that, that we point out are great examples of PG-13 horror. Yes, the this best is one, maybe. Maybe the best. And this is the 2002 remake of Ringu, Gore Verbinski's The Ring. Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? You start to play it, and it's like somebody's nightmare. And as soon as it's over, your phone rings. And what they say is, you will die in seven days. I watched the tape. Seven days. All in all, just a better, more scary more 
effectively developed movie. I think everything about it is just better. Not that Ringu is bad. It's not. No, but Ringu, I found, I found Ringu annoying. I found the characters annoying. I found the female lead very hard to root for, which is interesting because Naomi Watts' character is not a good mom. <laughs> she's not a very good person. She is a little bit hard to root for, yeah. but she's a strong character. She's at least, she's a strong and interesting character. It's a smartly written movie, and it the the way that it develops scares that horse Oh my God! Mm-hmm. You know, and then uh, Brian Cox. I always talk about this. Brian Cox in the when she's in the room with the VCR and the the light from the lighthouse keeps going around the room and around the room. I mean, everything about the way he develops each scene's scare is yeah. just magnificent. And he's able to do it in a way that never really requires an R rating. But at the same time, when you're done, you're chilled enough and scared enough that you think, wow, that, that was PG-13, it's wasn't it? It's a scary And you're movie. surprised. It is. It really is. And we've talked a million times about how great the actual video is. When you're yeah. going to have this movie, you have to show the video. Yeah. And it has to be creepy. And man, yeah. it was. And then, as the mystery unfolded, you saw clips of the, the video play out. Oh, that's where the ladder comes from. That's where the woman oh, yeah, yeah. brushing her hair yeah, comes yeah. from and things like that. So, yeah, all really just just so well done. It made the use of, of course, hair, which is so, so prevalent in J-horror. In J-horror. Yeah. And they made that scary again. Yeah. Crawling out of the TV, the performances. Oh, are, my God. Yeah. Everything. Everything yeah. about it. It's, yeah. it's just superior uh, to Ringu, the ring from 2002 is our number three. And number two is one, well, we just talked about this because now the rumors are it's getting its own reboot. So that remains to be seen. But we, along with everybody else, I don't think this is a hot take at all. No, I don't think so either. Uh, 1982, The Thing, better than 1951's The Thing from Another World. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. It takes us over, and it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? He can beat one of those things! Though it would have been a hot take in 1982, because people were not prepared for that, and they didn't like it um, at all. I mean, it was a bomb, Mm -hmm. which is incredible if you think about... Came out up against E.T. It did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is a very different take on a friend from another planet. Yeah. But it was just so, I mean, everything about it was so almost perfectly made. Mm-hmm. You know, the the way that he used open spaces to make you feel claustrophobic was, was masterful. The practical effects, yeah, the effects, right. the effects are still astounding. Really and the performances are. are great. And the beards, shut up. <laughs> Those the, beards. And the paranoia. That just yeah, yeah, infects yeah. even the uninfected. That's yeah. the thing that's being that's going around there. Just as much as as who's getting infected by the thing. It's the paranoia, yeah, absolutely, which works on a whole nother level. And the mystery, and you're trying to figure out, catch cl- yep. who is it, yeah. who's infected, who's not, leading to that great, somewhat ambiguous ending. But this this was so effective that I know the titles are different, but so many people, I think even today, don't realize that it is. A, a remake. Right. You got to go all the way back to the the uh, thing from another world, which has a obviously a longer title. But um, so it's going to be interesting to see how a this possible reboot treats that. Is it going to be? Is it going to take the story in a different direction or be a an, an actual in the 
dictionary definition of the word remake. Well, I think, you know, uh, at the time when it when it came out, audiences expected it to be a remake and were, I think, excited to see a remake. You know, uh, it's, it was only a few years after after Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which mm-hmm. was a very interesting but somewhat similar. I mean, the ending is is more of a downbeat, certainly. <laughs> but uh, but I think that, you know, I just don't think people were expecting this movie maybe to be so um, rebellious. There are no clear-cut good guys. Uh-huh. They're all sort of sketchy, which they need to be to really be able to develop that kind of paranoia. I mean, obviously, John Carpenter knew what he was doing, but audiences just were not prepared for it. Then, especially audiences that remembered and loved the original, yeah. you know, which was very a very 1950s movie with very clear-cut good guys and bad guys and victory and things like that. Um, but it's so stunning to to think that it was panned and it wasn't just it wasn't just audience critics didn't like it uh, right yeah. but again critics didn't like the shining or 2001 oh my well, god some did but uh, a lot didn't yeah so there's hey there's a nice a nice uh, brotherhood sisterhood of films that were not appreciated for their genius at the time yeah and this is one and of course we can't group the most recent thing um installment because as you found out at the end of the most uh, the most recent one. It's not a remake at all. No, it's a prequel. Yeah. Spoiler! I know. Come on. But it was a great connection with that dog. It, it was. That was such a great... I, I love that, yeah. that parting shot, and then you realize where you were in the universe. Mm-hmm. So we will see if what uh, Blumhouse and even John Carpenter have in store for the next installment of the thing. Looking forward to that now. And that news, I think, just broke maybe this weekend. Yeah. So very interesting. All right, moving up to number one, our favorite... Remake that we liked better than the original. Be afraid. Be very afraid. The Fly from 1986. There is a limit, even to the imagination. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. Oh, no. What's happening to me? Am I dying? Oh, no. A fly got into the transmitter pod with me that first time when I was alone. Uh, I'm afraid! Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Help me. Please. Help me. I remember seeing this in the theater when it came out and hearing from a lot of other people that this one grossed out a lot of people with its practical effects. Well, I think that, I mean, it was a big budget movie, and it Mm -hmm. had a big, big uh, marketing, you know, behind it. And so I think a lot of people were excited to go see it, but weren't necessarily familiar with the work of David Cronenberg, because if they were, (laughs) they might have had some idea that it was going to get gross. This is not the Vincent Price type of fly. You're not just going to see somebody's head on top of a fly body. Oh, no. It's, no. it's going to get very uh, synthesized. You know, it's funny. It was years and years and years before I ever saw the Vincent Price version. In fact, I, I, I watched it for a podcast that we did with Phantom Dark Dave, either about 1950s horror or about Vincent Price, because I think we've done them both with him. And it's a sweet film, Yeah, the original. It is. It's a very sweet You'd be hard-pressed to call it a horror film. It's definitely one of those 1950s sci-fi movies. And... Um, yeah, the special effects are a little bit lacking. <laughs> but, you know, I can see that it had an emotional punch when people saw it in 1958. I absolutely, I can see that 100%. Well, and then in 1986, of course, you have the whole metaphor of the AIDS crisis, which was just in getting incredibly, incredibly serious in the mid-1980s. And you see that in 
you can see how that metaphor would take root in the body horror and the story of Seth Brundle and what it does to his relationship. Now, in his case, it's a it's a, a heterosexual relationship, but there are there are threads and there are metaphors that you can use for the gay community and the outbreak of AIDS for this movie easily. Oh, sure. And Cronenberg has said that that was not what he had in mind. But I think that you can't, you know, you can't remove that read, you know, when the movie came out in 1986. Right. Uh, and it's got so many Cronenbergisms, which I love all Cronenbergisms because he is uh, both of ours. He's one of my favorite directors. But the movie uh, rises and falls with Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum's performance is magnificent. Mm-hmm. He's so sympathetic and you're so sad to see the transformation. But it's he, what it was fascinating about him is that where most people would start to transform and just be like horrified, right. he's a scientist. He's yes. actually kind of fascinated. I was just going to say the th- same thing. He's keeping pieces yeah. of his body and you know, when his ear falls off. And yeah, he's fascinated. He wants to record it when he realize, realizes what is happening. And on the other end, Gina Davis is very effective, effective too, because she, she, of course, is horrified. Yes, she is. Yeah. And, you know, um, uh, maybe I'm imagining this, but, I mean, the two of them look alike. And and I think especially in that movie, they had similar hair. Yeah, when they're like the same height. (laughs) And they're very tall. Yeah, they they do. To me, they look alike. And I felt like that was intentional in casting because Mm -hmm. they're sort of mirror images, right? One is not ill and one is and yeah. so you so her continued health gives you a better sort of counterpart as he deteriorates mentally and physically right and she's great she is great and of course you get the not only the the pieces falling off of his face but then you get the how flies eat oh we yeah all, we all got to learn how flies eat. <laughs> right i didn't know before that <laughs> yeah Ew. and it was great and of course it spawned the great parody from the simpsons where <laughs> He just used that pod to go to the bathroom, Homer. <laughs> uh, so that, and for so many other reasons, we love the 1986 David Cronenberg version of The Fly on our list of remakes that we like better. So how about it? Are there hot takes there? Are there serious hot takes? Are, did we overstep some bounds? Let us know. And uh, you can always find us, keep the conversation going at Fright Club Pod. And we, we expect some good conversations, as they usually are. We love that. We do. Don't let Hope's nature sometimes, uh, <laughs> when she's drunk tweeting on a Friday night, and I'm like, don't hit sand. Don't hit sand. <laughs> it's good fun. At Fright Club Pod, of course, on Twitter. And then you can always find us on uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our other written reviews of pretty much every new release. We try to keep up with all of them that come out this that come out each week. 17. Holy There are moly. 17 movies we're covering next week. How do we have time to record this? I don't know. We've got movies to watch. And our other weekly podcast just covering all those new releases called The Screening Room. That's all over there at MadWolf.com. Well, this has been fun. Thank you for all of the ideas leading mm-hmm. up to this mm-hmm. to get us going and then for uh, thank you for what we're confident are going to be some great comments afterwards so. <laughs> <laughs> all right so we look ahead next time we'll be back to Streamyard on uh, mad wolf columbus on facebook right for the next facebook live correct and we may in the next fright club live have a fun and exciting october announcement to make. Yes, because as you may have heard, theaters are opening all over the country, and that includes Columbus, Ohio, so we may have something to announce. We might. Coming up soon, but until then, keep the comments coming. We hope to hear from you, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and stay
stay frightful, my friends.